0: Maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can do all of that at our church website at CalvaryDivine.org. That's CalvaryDivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, today we'll be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. The title the of this sermon, sermon is, is you, you, who once, who were once far, were far off, have off have been brought have near. Here is Here the is second first half, half of this, and two, part of so this last, two part study. The last time we were in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we were talking about that you're saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. But we also learned that you were created and prepared for good works, that you are his masterpiece uh, a work of art, a masterpiece that, that God is molding. And, and has God has the finished product already in in mind and, and and he's molding you here to to prep and get you ready for uh, for heaven and and the beauty of i think for a lot of us is we when we think about doing the works of god and and um, understanding that he said that we are his workmanship we so individually we are his workmanship but as a church, we are His workmanship. God is, God is working through us together. It's And and we talked about this past week how we were able to be in the schools and share the gospel of Jesus Christ at an open assembly at Divine High School. And nobody thought that could happen. And we had a number of kids that came to faith. and And we're excited about that because what we know is that when I read Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 it says and let us consider how to stir one another up stir up one another to love and good works what happens is when we do those type of works it stirs us up to continue to do in the work of the Lord and and it's it, the work that we're talking about doing is is a work that is done through humility that is done through knowing God it's done through our relationship with God it's, it's actually understanding like God you saved me you made me alive and and I'm offering this as a thanksgiving and I'm wanting to bring glory to you not to yourself remember we talked that that was the difference between works and good works good works is of the flesh you want to be seen but the the works that God's prepared the good works those are through humility those are through humility and so um we need to remember, though, that what we have happening here is this, is a tr- the, this letter, the epistle that's actually written uh, for the church of Ephesus at the time was for two groups. One was a, uh, a group of, of legalistic Jews uh, that were still practicing the, the dietary laws, the Sabbath, and those things. And then you had the Gentiles, right, that were practicing magic, that were worshiping false gods, that were actually casting out spells. We read that verse to you in Acts where they, when they come to faith, they start burning their books of spells and burning up their false gods. And so for us, the church, when we read that he's wor- we are his workmanship, that means that the church is of different personalities, different ages, right? Different ethnic groups. Different religions. People come in from maybe a different religion and they come into Christianity. They come in from cults, you know. Or they come in from from being an addict and God is working on their lives. Or, Or maybe they come in from the LGBTQ community and God is purging and working in their lives and they all come into the church. And God is working on each of us. We're all His masterpiece. And God is removing those things. Because think about it, when you first came to faith, were you perfect? Because I know I wasn't. I thought for some reason, like it was a magic, like, like it was going to be something like I, light switch comes on, mic is fixed when I gave my heart to Christ. And that, that was just the beginning of the work that God needed to do in my life. For 39 years, I walked in the flesh, and for 39 years, I, I lived for myself. And what I learned is that God had a lot of work that he needed to do on Michael, a lot of chiseling. Remember, we showed that video from the skit guys last week on the chisel. Great video, probably one of the most practical, practical applications of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And just FYI, we actually paid for that video, and we paid for the streaming rights for that video, just in case anybody's like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) So we did that. Um, but I wanted to make sure y'all saw that because that's the things that God is trying to chisel and, and move. So when somebody comes into the church, they're coming into the church with all their, their baggage, so to say. And then God is removing that stuff one by one and, and making them a new creation. And so what is the church's responsibility? Discipleship. Discipleship. It, it's important. You know, one of the things I remember early on is somebody discipling me. And helping me when I had questions. Or, they're all oh, Mike, you can't act like that. Or, you know, like, you need to check because that's the flesh. And, and those things are hard when you, when you get corrected. But those things have to happen. But we all come in with all of our stuff. We're forgiven because we've given our heart to Christ. We've confessed our sins, our past, our present, our future sins have been forgiven. We're justified. But now you're going through sanctification. And I remember Pastor Dan was telling me from here in town, he was like, if you think about it, if somebody has a deep root in their heart, he goes, Mike, look at the tallest tree. That's, he goes, so that tree, as tall as it is, the roots are as tall as that tree. And God has to remove all of that. It's a work that the Lord does. Not you. Not you. It's, it's important for us to remember that. Discipleship is, is what we do. God has called us to do that. But Christ has given us a heart capable to love everyone. And and we learned about Paul addressing this in Ephesians chapter one as he talked about who we are in Christ and what God would be doing uh you know since before the world began to bring us to Christ. And then as we begin Ephesians chapter two, we learned that we were saved by grace. It was the free gift of grace. Nothing that you could do, nothing that you can earn. And now he's going to get into the, the work of transformation as we look at the division here. In verse, in verse uh, 11, the division of the Jews and the Gentiles, our first point. I want to read, because there is a therefore there. And whenever there's a therefore, therefore there, you need to see what is therefore. okay? So that means that the verses prior to this are important. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before, beforehand that we should walk in them. And then we get into verse 11. Therefore, remember, remember that you once, once Gentiles... That you, once Gentiles in the flesh, you, who called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. The first thing it gives you is a therefore remember. Now the therefore to remember is back in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. He's trying to remind them to remember what was shared to you at first. Remember that who you were before Christ, you, you were receiving the gospel of Christ, right? But before that, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And we talked about that. When you're, when, you're, when you're in sin, you can never hit the mark. Never. But trespasses, I still love that word in the Greek. It means that you can never reach your goal. You can, you can set a goal, but you'll never reach it. You'll fall every time because of why? Your sin, your trespasses and sin. And then he talks about the lifestyles that we were in. We were governed once and directed by Satan in our past life, before Christ. You were controlled by the desires of the flesh and and every one of us destined for the wrath of God. Every one of us. But after Christ, that's that beautiful verse where he says, but God. Right? But God, after receiving the gospel, they were saved from the old life and the impending wrath of God. You're alive in Jesus Christ. You're set in heavenly places. You have an eternal future, and yet you have the revelation of God's kindness and His grace towards them in Christ Jesus. And God is working in our lives and making each of us a masterpiece, an expression of God Himself. And God has prepared you for good works that you should walk in them. That's what he's telling you to remember. Why do you see this throughout the Bible where you see something's repeated over and over and over for you to remember? Paul was just saying you need to bring this to remembrance. I want you to think about this just as a sidebar. I was One of the things I was thinking about this week is, what type of letter would the Apostle Paul write the Church of America? If he was to write a letter to the Church of America, what type of letter would it be? We have a lot that needs to be corrected. We have a lot of false teachings. We have a lot of, a lot of things that are wrong within the church today. And we still see a lot of great things being done. But unfortunately, the echoing of the bad things because of social networks is what's put out there predominantly. And Paul is saying, remember, the reason why Paul is saying, remember, he's like, look, this is why I gave you this epistle. This epistle was for the church and not just the church in Ephesus. It was supposed to be passed from church to church to church, including the church here in divine. Remember, remember who you were before Christ and remember who you are after. In Judges chapter two, verse 10, it says, "When all the generations had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which He had done for Israel. They did not remember. They did not tell their kids about God, or talk to their, their, their youth about the, the work that Jesus had done, or the work that God had done as He brought them across the, out of Egypt. They didn't know any of those, the historical records of, uh, of them coming into the promised land. They had no clue. It's our jobs as parents, it's our jobs as grandparents to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to bring to remembrance those things. that. But if you don't remember, how do you plan on sharing it with somebody else? Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who were called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made... In the flesh by hands. How many of us, if we're honest, have have read the Old Testament and you see uncircumcised, circumcised, and you go, what is this all about? Right? I'm gonna explain that today. Because I think it's important. Because you're gonna see it throughout the throughout the Old Testament, it gets pulled into the New Testament, and there's a reason for it. So when we look at that and, and the term actually for uncircumcision was derogatory. It was a word that was used to actually, to to poke at the Gentiles, like they're calling them names, the uncircumcised. They were considered heathens living in the flesh. If you turn to Genesis chapter 17, verses 1 through 11, we need to look at the covenant and understand why the circumcision is there. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is is with you. And you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and i will make nations of you and the king shall come from you and i will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations in in their generations for everlasting covenant to be god to you and your descendants after you also i give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession i will be their God and God said to Abram, As for you, you shall keep my covenant and uh, keep my covenant, you and your descendants after throughout the generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and that shall be a sign of a covenant between me and you. So, the circumcision is, a, is the token of the covenant, and, and that's represented within the circumcision. So, in order for them to be marked and be known as God's nation, Israel, right, they had to be circumcised. It was cutting away the flesh and, and choosing to follow God. And, and it's no different than the covenant made with Noah, Noah was given a covenant by God. God promised never to flood the earth again by what? The token of a rainbow. And this is the, the way the circumcision was. It was marked for every Jewish male that they would, were God's people, that they were cutting away the flesh and living by the Spirit of God. And they were acknowledging that they would be governed by God. And my heart is after the things of God, not after the things of the flesh. So that's what circumcision means in the Bible. Okay? Okay? It speaks of the death of the fleshly nature. That's what it means. And so in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, it says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, possession, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. So it's a, the same thought there in Colossians is that you put those things to death. You cut them away. Right? But Jeremiah chapter four four says, "Circumcise yourself to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your hearts, you men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like a fire and burn, so that you, uh, so that no one can quench quench it because of the evil, the evils of your doings." So what happens here at some point for Israel, it becomes a religious activity. Okay. That's what circumcision became. It became a religious activity. And so what, what we start seeing, even in Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 16, therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart. Your heart. It's like you're circumcised, but you still got things going on in the flesh in here. And he's like, you, and be stiff-necked no longer. What did Stephen tell? And this is why they were so insulted. When he goes before the council, Stephen tells him in Acts chapter seven fifty one, uh, right before he's stoned, it says, "You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in hearts and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you." He's like you, your uncircumcised heart, and had just become a religious activity to them. And even Paul talks about it in, in, in Romans chapter two verses twenty eight and twenty nine. He says, "For." He is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision, that is, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And the circumcision, that is, uh, that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. So when you see the word uncircumcised, where did did, uh, the prodigal son go? To a far off country. To a Gentile country to where he could do whatever he wanted to do in the flesh. In Judges chapter 14, verse 3, it says, Then his father and his mother said to him, Is there no woman, this is uh, Samson, mom and dad talking to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of the brethren or among all the people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised? It was a term that they used, not of endearment. In 1 Samuel chapter uh, chapter 17, verse 36, as David's talking about the giant, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. So now you understand that circumcised meant that they were marked Jews, they were cutting away their flesh, they were supposed to be living for God, for the Spirit of God. And yet it had become a religious activity. And you know what? There are a lot of people that sit at church and it's just a religious activity. They, they sit at this moment in throughout Medina County. It happens. And so when they use this word uncircumcision, it is an insult to the Gentile. And yet, this is the thing to remember. You have the legalistic Jew and the, the Gentiles... Come into faith and following Christ. And whose workmanship are they? God's. And God's going to bring them together. So whatever, whatever thing that you've got going on in your head, right? You know, is, is there a people group or somebody that if they were to walk through the door, you'd be, oh man, I've got to leave this church. Think about that just for a second. I've shared mine with y'all. I fought in Iraq. I remember I, before faith, man, I'm a combat veteran and I've lost friends in combat prior to Christ and I remember sitting in church and if there would have been somebody Muslim that walked in that church I would not have felt easy and that is hate and that that is not He's God's workmanship no more than I'm God's workmanship and God showed me that that day when that pastor came and spoke for uh, as they were ministering to the people in Iraq and I remember it was like somebody stuck a dagger in my heart. Like, this cannot be here anymore. This has to go. The church is for everybody. Now, we don't agree or condone or, or participate in any of the things that go against God's word. But how do we ever expect them to be transformed by the living word of God if they're not allowed in the church? Or if that's, oh, but that's just the white church over there. I don't agree with that. Your church should look like H-E-B... Your church should look like Walmart because it's all different ages, all different ethnicities. That's what it should look like. And, and, and so when we look at this, it's, it's the uncircumcised circumcision. You, you look at just the, the derogatory statement that would have been used. The word would have hurt somebody who was a Gentile. This is what they used to make fun of them. It says in verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and, and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So God is going to break down the wall of separation. Do you realize that there are transgender that are now, they, they've, they've, some of them have had surgeries, and now they're coming to faith, and they're realizing the mistake they made? That stuff is happening. Now, do we, any of us agree with that? No. But they're coming to faith. And, and, and so the wall is separated by who? God. God. God God will save to the uttermost. The person that you think is beyond saving, God will save them. God will save them. Our second point is devastation of having no hope. And that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God in the world. I think this is probably one of the saddest pieces of Scripture in the Bible. Having no hope without God in the world you are alien and strangers with no hope and then Jesus comes can you imagine has there ever been a time in your life where you just go man I don't have I I I can remember I didn't have any hope I didn't know the promises of God there are people that are in this world today that are walking through this city in these schools and throughout this community that have no hope and that need the gospel of Jesus Christ it's, it's, you know, reading just that, that verse, without Christ, they were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. They were strangers from the covenants of the promise. They were without hope and without God. Do you understand, like, when we read the book of Acts, sometimes what we do, and I know I did this early on in my faith, I'm thinking, like, everything in Acts was like, okay, this happened on this day, then the next day this happened. Do you understand there's, like, years that separate the time frame. So like when you look at the day of Pentecost, the Pentecost, Pentecost was not for the Gentiles. Pentecost was the Jews that came to faith. They were there for Pentecost, for the Passover. And, and, and when we see that, if any of the, anyone that was a Gentile would have became a Jew, they would have had to accept the dietary laws, the Sabbath. They would have had to adhere to the laws. Otherwise, they couldn't convert to be a Jew. Yet we see in, in, in Acts chapter 10, uh, 2, verses 9 through 16, uh, when Simon Peter actually shares, shares faith here, any of the Gentiles would have had to have been converted. And so salvation came from Christ, but there were still the, the, the legalistic Jews that were still making them. And this is why Paul deals with all of this in the epistles. This is why you're going to see about the law in the circumcision and the uncircumcision, all of that's covered because of the legalistic Jews. They were trying to add all that stuff in. was well, Jesus plus all this stuff, and it's never Jesus plus anything. Jesus is enough. In Acts chapter 10, verses 9 through 16, one of the things we see is that when Peter finally has to, to deal with the, the fact of, of I got to go see the Gentiles, we, he has that dream.